Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. I am Jerry Thompson, joined by Dave Shields, and we have some very, very exciting news. We just booked for SCG Columbus. Let's go. Got the itch. It's modern, so that's good. Uh, I've been dabbling in Pioneer and uh, Explorer, which is is like so close to being pioneer but also just so far away from it being pioneer that it's it's kind of silly but uh I'm I'm already just over it. I'm done. I want to go back to modern. <laughs> I've just been engaging with any format that I can which has ping-ponged me around to everything. Um I'm with you on the arena stuff. It's like almost so close that it feels weird. I almost liked it better when it was further away, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I like the fact that I can I can play on my phone while I'm doing other stuff, but then there just things come up where it's like, oh yeah, there's just an entire subsection of decks that are not very playable because things like Chain to the Rocks are not on Arena. And then it's just like, why? Why is that the case? Because yeah. you've done a bunch of anthologies at this point, including one that just happened recently. And I just, I don't get it. It's weird, too, because they seem to be trending in that direction, and I think it's pretty likely, if I had to guess at this point, that they're going to get there, which is like, why don't why aren't we just going quicker? Well, there's a Pioneer Masters coming. Okay, not familiar. Oh, so they, they just announced a bunch of stuff. Did you not see any of this stuff? I, I did not. I have been in a box for, and again, engaging with Magic whenever I can, but not engaged in the social media or news announcements, so catch me up to speed. Um, oh God, Pioneer Masters digital only reprint set uh, for Magic Arena release date is Q4 2024. Oh, that's more that's than a year from now. So far away. I wish I didn't even know about that. Set was originally planned for release at the end of 2020. Now, granted, this is like MTG wiki you know, like on the fandom website or whatever. So who knows how accurate all this stuff is. Um, it was stated that Wizards of the Coast schedule didn't have room to focus on growing a unique identity for historical fully supporting Pioneer. So then they just pushed it back a bunch. Okay, cool. They chose to focus on historic. Yeah, I guess. And huh. that, that means like alchemy stuff too. Because that's like a pretty sizable portion of historic now sure and maybe controversial but like the little bit that i've dabbled with some of the alchemy stuff like once i've gotten past the like really overly complex stuff i've surprisingly enjoyed that um but i think the big thing is like it is not the same i never get confused or think it's the same yeah because it's just so different okay so some of the the stuff that was announced are uh some new universe beyond stuff so uh we got Assassin's Creed, Final Fantasy. Um they announced like the next year of standard sets, like the set names. There's like a magic clue thing. Modern Horizons 3. Are you excited? So also- I, I straight up saw this and I legitimately scrolled past it on Reddit, I think, because I just thought it was a joke. Oh, yeah, no, it's real. Uh, that's also 2024. So wow. Michael Majors led this. And MH3 specifically or the Pioneer Masters? MH3. 
And then I I believe Carmen said that she was the co-lead. So I don't know. I'm in. I'm I'm so in. And again, more controversial opinions, but I've loved the modern master sets and the likes. Yeah, I, I do too. Um uh, I'm like scrolling through this thing that's like, oh, all the announcements and like they're they're listing off things and I can't really tell, you know, what is what is like a normal set and what isn't. They're all just sets, Jerry. Okay, so there there's there's like a Western set. There's uh kind of like animals set. Oh yeah. No humans whatsoever. Okay. And I remember them saying like the things scale off of the idea that a mouse is a one, one. This is exciting. Okay. And then there's like some more like horror tropey stuff. There's like an Ixalan thing. I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Return to Lorwyn. Oh, Return to Tarkir. That was another one. The worlds I'm not as familiar with, so I can't relate to that as much. Whole bunch um, of stuff. Whole bunch of stuff. It it sounds pretty exciting in general. I like new things, man. So, um, yeah, I think in general that's pretty exciting. Cool. Uh, Other thing that happens uh, was BNR announcement. So, what is this? We're, We're doing this... Tuesday BNR happened yesterday and I I know that I'm like not hyper online or anything but I didn't even realize that anything had happened until I don't know like 6 hours after the fact like it seemed pretty quiet to me and what happened was preordain was unbanned in modern mind's desire was unbanned in legacy and that was it which you know granted isn't huge or whatever and anytime anything happens in legacy, I think people are going to be relatively quiet about it, you know, because very few people actually care. But the the modern stuff seems kind of like a big deal, or at least like there would be more chatter about it, especially considering how leading up to it, everyone was like posting about bandless stuff. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, I would agree. And I think also they were kind of surprising. I think if you just told me one card got unbanned in both of those formats and I made a list of guesses, those would both of those cards would be really low on my list. Yeah. Right? Like mind twist in legacy. Like we we could we could probably just do that. It'd be fine. And I, so for for mind's desire, like, yes, I think it is probably fine, but the problem with unbanning cards like this is like if it ends up being good it probably also means that it is not going to be fine yep. and then may have to be rebanned which i think that they could probably do more of and you know they unbanned gogard grave troll in modern for a little bit it didn't last super long or whatever and it it seems like kind of embarrassing but i like the fact that they tried it i'm all for trying things and experimenting more uh, but I would also say I'm not somebody who thinks that just like the shorter the ban list, the better. And unbanning cards like preordain, I'm all for, right? I can see upside. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's not. It's probably not. It's probably fine. But the, what the worst case is not catastrophic. Uh, mind's desire, on the other hand, I have a hard time imagining that having a super positive impact on the format. 
Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is like, is this is this fun? Is this a thing we want to be doing? But I will say that Storm was a very big part of Legacy for a very long time. And if you look at Legacy, at least like a week ago, uh, in, in the time leading up to that, Storm was like mostly absent because I don't know things like Reanimator just became kind of like the de facto combo deck, right? They're just as fast as Storm and are doing a bunch of other stuff too, where it's like, oh, I could just like shred your hand with like griefs and unmasks and whatnot. So if this adds kind of like another pillar and like brings metagame share closer to like, you know, every deck is 5% instead of like there are three decks that are like 7 to 10% or whatever, I think that overall that's a good thing. Totally agree. So if it just and- ends up being another thing, that's cool. Uh, initial reports that I saw were that like, yeah, it's it's probably pretty good, but also like we don't know how to build this thing because there was no reason to ever think about how to build this thing because it was like preemptively banned 20 years ago when it was released. So it's just literally never been legal in Legacy. It's a pretty opposite angle than Ad Nauseam. Yeah. Absolutely. Wildly opposite end of the spectrum. So did you play did you play extended when Desire was legal? Not only was I playing a lot of extended then, I was playing a lot of Minds Desire then. Okay. Um I I played Minds Desire. I think it was like GPLA. I want to say it was like 2007. I think LSV won with Desire. Yep. I played the same deck as him. And that that was specifically the tournament I wanted to talk about, actually, because I think if you go back and look at that deck list, knowing what we know now, like how to build decks, that deck was atrocious. <laughs> I'm kind of tempted now. You should go look because it it was very much like Red Rituals and then you have Metamorphose and then Cascade Bluffs to turn your red mana into blue mana for Desire. And then it had Lotus Bloom, but like the more we played with the deck, the more you would like run into matchups where you needed to combo them on turn three. And this is especially true in the mirror. But like Lotus Bloom was not a necessity. And at that point, it's just like, why is this thing even in the deck? And it was because, oh, this is like a sacred cow, right? Like this, this is a thing that like allows you to cast your mind's desire and as your storm count. And then you look at what sort of like setup stuff we're doing. It's like, there are a lot of legal cantrips back then, man. And we, we weren't really playing them. We were playing yeah. like gear through depths instead of the one man of cantrips. I'm with you on the deck list. Now it is kind it, of wild. It's bad. It's real bad. So. Got two slate of hand in there, man. We had some cantrips. Yeah. Four ponder, know. two slate of hand. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, needed the two electrolyze, right? Couldn't couldn't get the extra slate of hands in there. Yeah, because again, that was a thing where it's like, well, what we should be doing is trying to kill on turn three, not like electrolyze God knows what and then kill on turn four. Like, can you imagine uh, you know, storm deck, not necessarily in legacy, but even in modern, where it's like, oh, hold on, I'm gonna take a turn off here to electrolyze some stuff get a little <laughs> bit of value it's like what are you doing listen man if they have a gaddick t you need an answer that's true and 
uh, no one played Gattatigue. So like, again, what the hell were we doing? But was there a card there that Electrolyze was killing? I don't even remember. No. And Thalia, I believe, was not printed at that point. But, you know, Electrolyze is a pretty bad answer to that. Uh, I, but I don't think there's anything like that. I think it was like Gattatigue type of stuff. Yeah. Like actual grizzly bear that doesn't actually disrupt your electrolyze, but can maybe stop you from going off. But those decks are just not going to be beating anyone. So who cares? Yeah. So I, I Googled looking for the deck list. And obviously the first thing that popped up was a Star City article because the internet has been stripped of all coverage of Grand Prix. Yes. And it's Luis's tournament report. I just like, you know, scroll quickly looking for the deck list in the article and I see round four versus Tim Aiden. Nice, nice. Round five versus Michael Jacob. Round seven versus Guillaume Wafotapa. Like, a lot of ringers here. Yeah, GPs were different back then. And then he beats Herbert. Oh, he draws with Herbert Holtz into the top eight. Yeah, crazy tournament, man. Um, But, so any any bold predictions on is Mind's Desire going to be a, a big player in Legacy, say, Six obviously people are going to play it in the shorter term just to try it, but yeah, is it something we're still talking about six months from now? Uh, it is. It's definitely a thing that you can do. I'm I'm skeptical, especially compared to the stuff that is legal now. Like if we're talking like five, seven years ago, something like that, then I think Desire would be very scary, very good. But I don't know, man. I just spent like a weekend playing Death Shadow with like. Grief, Thoughtseize, Force of Will, Days, Force of Negate. Like, I I just want to play against those decks all day, right? Yeah. And the the stuff that you can do that's, like, Minds of Sire adjacent, like, even if you're talking about, like, Echo of Eons type of nonsense, it's like, that stuff even just seems better. So, I think it is a thing, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's busted. And I think, like, the Ad Nauseum Storm decks were just, like, so good already. So, it's weird. Yeah, I'm not even convinced it's the best Storm deck, and my, my bold prediction would be it's probably not something that we're talking about six months from now, but uh, again, the range of possibilities with a card that powerful is pretty large. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I think that they are cognizant of this stuff, for sure, but you know, Storm is a mechanic that generally gets better the more weird stuff that they print, right? And I, I like they, they know that. I feel yeah. like whenever you, you look at a card where it's just like, well, yeah, this is like pretty busted with Storm, then maybe you think twice about it. Um, yeah. Especially and since they've, they've revisited the Storm mechanic in Modern itself, you know, and the, those decks pop up every now and again, like the the Squirrel ones or like Galvanic Relay type of stuff. Uh, even seen like the five mana ooze thing show up in some decks, so... You know, we're we're not going to be getting any more like metamorphos type things to like make this thing better. So I I would imagine that other stuff gets better before Mind's Desire does. Makes sense. So who who did they hire that is the storm aficionado at Wizard of the Coast? No, I I think it is just like do this thing be because we can, and I I do think that there is it, maybe it's not. I think they're trying super hard to do or whatever, but like if you can keep the ban list small, then you might as well, right? Like, I don't know, give give people some toys. Let people do some stuff. I just like trying stuff. I don't I don't actually like the grave troll thing. I 
listen, I, I wouldn't have unbanned Grave Troll because like, what's the best thing that could happen out of that? Like, ain't nobody doing anything fun with that. But I do like the idea of like, you know, trying something and then, you know, if it's not working, banning it again. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah, but at that time, Dredge was not really a deck. And then it became a thing. And I think if Modern had no graveyard deck, and then unbanning troll made graveyard decks like five percent of the metagame. I think that makes things more interesting. So yeah, it's not it's not fun or whatever, but I do think that if it diversifies the format a little bit, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I I think in the exact scenario that you described, I would agree. But I think that's a razor thin margin, and you're playing with fire because the odds that dredge is playable in the format and not one of the best decks is not a very common occurrence. True. And also, Dredge, similarly to Storm, is going to get better the more cards that you introduce to the format. And it's not, you know, Storm is looking for very specific things like cheap cards, cantrips, mana filters, mana accelerants, whatever. Whereas Dredge is like anything that draws a card, anything that says graveyard on it, you know? Like, yeah. Dredge, Dredge gets powered up like every other set, basically. So... Probably not super fun things to have to think about when you're designing cards. No, it's it's not great. So, you know, troll troll's gone. I don't think it's coming back. I think that's a good thing. But uh, desire getting unbanned, I think that's fine, and it's it's like a good place to start too. And there are other things like mind twist where it's just like, who cares? You know, like you're getting like grief reanimated from like a third of the decks in the format or whatever. So, how how much worse is mind twist gonna feel? I'd love to see Mind Twist unbanned. It's just an awesome old school card too. And like if my opponent's going to spend a bunch of resources and they're not killing me, they're just like ripping apart my hand and that's it, fine. Right. And the the comparison of like Mind Twist to him to Turok, you know, it's like him him is just a card you can play as a four of and is so much more efficient than Mind Twist ever will be, right? And there's also just stuff where it's like, all right, I can make like four mana on turn two or turn three or whatever and... Uh, uh, crap. Do I do I actually play around days here? You know, like yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so awkward. Yeah, is mind twist for two or three even good? No, that's the thing. It's like, like twist twist for three early enough, like sure, but you're also probably on like hard parity at that point. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe there's like some busted waste knot stuff you can do. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Like, try it, uh, especially for a format like Legacy. You know, Legacy it only has like the the die hardest diehards at this point, right? Yeah, I just hope people play, man. I just hope we see more Legacy events, and that's probably pretty unlikely to happen given you know more recent announcements and things. But clearly, they're thinking a little bit about it. This is a pretty bold move. Like, they didn't need to do this. So, there's yeah. an advocate in there somewhere. I think it's great. So yeah, shout out to like whoever even like brought this up, you know? Yeah, I would agree. Props. And then for for modern, we got preordained back. Here's a a, a little bit of a insider secret. I don't remember exactly when this happened. I want to say it was around the time when I was working on MH1. And there was some discussion going on in terms of format identity. And Pioneer has 
the two blue delve cards, which gives it like a very unique identity, right? Which I think is cool. Whereas blue in modern did not particularly have that at that point. And blue for a very long time, like once they banned all the combo cards at least, was pretty underrepresented, you know? Yeah. And so they're like, what, what, what can we do about this? What should blue be doing? And there was a lot of talk about like, you know, maybe we should just get it to the point where like preordain and ponder are legal and good in the format. And like that, that is what blue is able to do is just have good cantrips, but make sure that like everything else stays in check. Probably my instinct would be playing with fire a little bit maybe, but I like the spirit of it. And I think my immediate reaction jumps back to like, the days where Cryptic Command and Snapcaster Mage were playable in Modern, and those were its identity. And I think we're well past that, especially with MH1 coming out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think even around that time, like, ah, we, we maybe had, I maybe built like a Jeskai control deck or something for, for testing. And like, certainly was testing with the new cards that were there, like Force Negation, Archmage's Charm, etc. But like, I think that Jeskai was mostly gone by that point too. So, so it was like, oh crap, like what, what is actually the deal? Um, but I, I did know that Jason Mind Sculptor was getting unbanned uh, sometime around that point too. So it's like, well, you know, maybe this adds enough identity to the point where we don't need to do the cantrippy thing or whatever. But like, it was the thing that was seriously discussed back then, which is 2016, I think. Quite a and while ago. And yeah, and and they were like leaning towards it, like le- actually strongly leaning towards doing it. So preordain getting unbanned might be a surprise to a lot of people, which is understandable. It is not a surprise to me. Um, so I don't know. Just a, a thing to consider is that like it's not like when when no changes are happening or even you know expected changes are happening or whatever that you think like, oh, not a whole lot of discussion is going on. It's like, no, there's just like a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that, you know, just never sees the light of day, right? Yeah. So I have a, I have a 20 questions. Yeah, hit me. Why preordain and not ponder? Uh, ponder is stronger, I would argue. So if this is them testing the waters to, you know, maybe get to a point where it's like, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it can be the cantrip format or whatever, then I think doing one at a time is fine. But also, I, I think it'd be weird if it was like just preordain, but you also have things like opt and consider, which were not around at that time too. So now, you know, preordain does actually have friends to play with too. So they can just be like, all right, well, now you can play up to like 12 blue cantrips. Does this move the needle on anything? Like is, is Arclight Phoenix suddenly good again or whatever? Who knows? They got to give me my faithless lootings back. Anyway, I feel like we should probably not talk about stuff from 2006 and maybe talk about things in a more current context. I was going to say modern, but I just didn't even want to make the unintentional pun. So uh, how, how do you feel about, you know, preordain in today's era and like where where does it slot in? Where does it fit in? Have you been thinking about this at all? I thought about it a weird amount, and, and I've also casted Preordain quite a bit, uh, not just in Standard, but in Legacy, probably more than I should have. And I was actually a proponent of Preordain over 
ponder in a few different legacy decks at different points. This is a Grixis decks. Yeah. Um, but that being said, my first reaction was, yeah, I don't even know if it's better than consider. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think it is for two reasons. One is instant speed. The other is actual graveyard synergy. Yeah. And I think that like in the Murktide decks or the decks that care about either of those two things, that it's way more likely than not true. Uh, and one of the things I like to remind people of is always that like Serum Vision has been legal for a long time and has seen varying amounts of play. And as a turn one play, Serum Visions is just better. Yeah, um, but it's every turn, turn after that 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 changes. Yeah, any turn after that, Preordain is so much better than Serum Visions, though. Unbelievably better. So it took me probably longer to get here than I am honestly going to admit. But I was like, holy crap, is this something I want in my creativity deck? Okay. And I don't know is the short answer, but it was certainly something that I've been dabbling with a little bit, thinking about. It's interesting. I imagine that your mana base changes a little bit, right? Because like you're going to want more blue and like more early blue, but it's also weird because I don't know that for creativity specifically, it means more shocklands. Yeah, like you, you already lean into the blue shocklands quite a bit. So I, I don't actually think the mana base changes, but I think what does change is your ability, like how many spell pierce or blue instants that you're able to leave up. Yeah, and like anytime you get to swap into like a different color of the same effect, that would be good, right? Because you're very good at making like ABC, not like AABC or whatever. Exactly. And they maybe just printed another counter spell reband type effect that happens to not be blue. So I don't know if there's too much there. It seems probably more cute than good, but I have been thinking about it a little bit. Well, is is I mean, I, I hate to like make this comparison after I'm just like, yo, these cards are way different and one is way better. But how close were you to playing like Serum Visions in your creativity deck? Never, never. Um, and I think like expressive iteration is probably the card that it competes with the most. Right. Because it's like you could preordain on turn one, but it's not ideal because you would like to get a triumph at some point. Right. So yeah, I, I, I can't imagine a scenario where you're preordaining on turn one ever. Like maybe you draw a steam vent naturally and like you're not you don't have a fetch lance. So that's not an option, but it would require ridiculous circumstances for me to imagine you doing that. But a line I could see a lot is like turn one, fetch, triome, turn two, get a second triome and preordain or some combination of that, but it's still not very good. No, it's not. And the the situation I'm thinking of is, well, like you could mulligan into a one lander or something or even like a, a two lander, but, you know, maybe you're almost to domain and you really want to dig for like a Ren and six or whatever to make sure that you hit your third land drop. Like I, I could see that. Yeah. I think exactly what you just described, which is a one land hand with a Ren and six off of a mold of six. Yeah. And at that point, then yes, obviously you're going to do that, but ideally that is just not a situation that you find yourself in either. So it's hard to say. Yeah, uh, my reaction was like, I, it, does it allow me to like the extra card filtering, put in some more situational cards into my deck? So like I was jumping back to things like persist and the likes, but I, I don't think that's actually a place you want to be. Um, and then I think some of the other blue decks, like I, I don't know that this was necessarily a card or a thing that they're in the market for. 
it's probably pretty reasonable power level wise, but a sorcery speed card filtering thing that doesn't actually net you any card advantage, it, it's hard to imagine it being that good. So, okay. I like cards like Preordain in blue decks that are a little bit lower to the ground and certainly blue decks that are not messing around with a whole lot of ETB tap lands. So, for example, Preordain in my Celestial Colonnade deck, especially if my Colonnade deck is, you know, trying to tap out for like three mana card into four mana card, I don't like Preordain very much. But in something like Cobblade, where Yes, they did have, you know, some expensive stuff. They did have some amount of colonnades. Like I was, I was like trimming colonnade often and like trimming expensive cards and trying to be more leaner because of the fact that you had a bunch of like very good proactive two mana cards and you had a bunch of cantrips that were widely available for you to play with and stuff. And I, I think that it is important to note that preordained is not a card that you just jam into any deck that ever existed ever, but also the the blue white decks as they exist in modern now, like, you know, they're still doing the same sort of like triumph thing a lot of the time that creativity is, which makes preordain less attractive. And also like sometimes like those blue decks are just main decking Chalice of the Void and they're trying to Chalice of the Void on one in a lot of instances. So right now I don't see it really slotting into like a hard control shell, but yeah, generally I think that hard control would rather, you know, just be doing something reactive with that mana rather than just playing a cantrip. Yeah, I'm with you on the cheaper CMC decks on average. It's easier to find ways to weave one mana into things. And when you're, you know, the average casting cost of cards in your deck goes way up, it's harder to find ways to do that. Um, but what I will say about a lot of the fair decks in modern right now that are blue, it's you're going to have a hard time convincing me I shouldn't have Leyline Binding in them. No, I agree. And, and I, I think Binding wins out, which means... I mean, it's it's one of many things that means that you're probably not going to play a cantrip in your deck. So, like, Wafutapa is one of the very few people who can play in the challenges regularly and just win with, like, blue-white control. And then... You know, he'll he'll show up like once a month and like play for a while, basically like whenever his schedule permits or whenever he gets the itch or whatever, right? And then he'll do well and people will pick up his decks and whatever, right? But it's not a thing that lasts. But uh like a year ago, year and a half ago, like when he was playing, he did have cantrips and he was playing uh, opt or consider at the time. And I, I think that if I were to have a blue-white deck like that, where, you know, either you're saying that playing cantrip plus trio mana base is fine, or maybe for whatever reason you want to get away from Leyline Binding, which I find that hard to believe, but whatever, let's just go with it, you know, for the sake of argument. Because of the reactive nature of those decks, I would still want the instant speed version in those decks, especially since we have good instant speed ones. It's not like we'd be playing like a bad instant speed cantrip. It's just like opt and consider are both like also very strong. They're both great. And I think you can even throw cards like dress down into the cantrippy category here as well, as far as flash yeah. goes. Sure. 
Yeah. And then the second your sorcery speed, like you're competing pretty hard with expressive iteration, which is a card that its stock is not super high in modern right now, which is kind of surprising, but I think it's very good. And I don't think that that has changed. It's just iteration again is a card that plays super well when your deck is lower to the ground. And a lot of things have sort of changed to the point where that's not necessarily the case anymore, where maybe the best blue red deck right now is the breach deck, like the actual combo breach deck where now they're playing a bunch of one rings and iteration when your deck was like all one and two mana cards is generally just the the best card that you could possibly have in your deck, especially when you're not operating on instant speed in a lot of cases, right? So, totally agree. And and with scam being so popular, like the cards I'm going to be putting in this slot, the having the opportunity to have them net card advantage, I think is pretty important as well. Yeah. Yeah, so like in theory, like if you want to just label iteration as a two mana divination, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that card is bad, but context does matter, right? And when you are like, well, if I'm going to play a blue red deck, it is probably going to be combo breach with a bunch of rings, then two mana divination is not necessarily what you want. And maybe what you do want is uh, so, some good, like powerful, goes pretty deep uh, one mana cantrips. And maybe consider is not high impact enough and opt you would certainly play consider over, right? So uh, you could you could make a case for like, okay, maybe you want to get like a mix of like preordains and iterations in here, but it's probably not a situation where you're playing four iterations anymore, right? Yeah, and I think Corey's list for the last few weeks has only had three iterations since the one ring. So that should tell you something. Yeah, exactly. So I think that iteration is still good in a vacuum, but... It depends on what kind of decks you're playing. Very much like how how much of an impact Preordain makes depends on the decks that people are playing too. Um, but I don't know. Let's let's talk about like the context of Merktide specifically, right? Uh, on its face, it seems like this is the deck that Preordain is supposed to go into. But the vast majority of cases uh, will have four considers and. There are some lists that play fewer than that. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that that is correct or whatever, but like I appreciate folks trying things, you know. And like if if you decided, hey, okay, I want I want more cantrips. Well, uh, is preordain actually the one you want, or would you want opt or even something like thought scour? And there's also the newer versions that are like, well, subtlety and force negation are pretty good right now, and we want to play those. So then maybe we just do a little bit of the Lorian revealed thing and use this to play like a lower lane count. And then you have to make the comparison of Lorian revealed versus more cantrips. Like they're effectively doing the same thing, right? It's like if you play a deck with eight or so cantrips, you get to lower your land count to some degree. Lorian Revealed is doing the same thing. And then I, I don't think it's a one for one thing. I think you could play like four Lorian Revealeds and like cut three lands. And maybe if you play four Preordains, you cut two lands. Does that sound about right? But like there, there's still, there is a comparison there to be made. Yeah. And the fail rate there is pretty high. And uh, I'm, most of these decks are playing four Mishra's Bobbles to begin with as well. So I think we're we're already 
on the leaner side on the land count to begin with. So like, how low can we go, right? Like, how many of these one land cantrippy hands are we comfortable keeping? Like, is one land three cantrips like a a hand you're comfortable keeping? I'm certainly not. No, I, I want to cantrip into action. I don't want to be forced to cantrip into mana early, especially in the case of Murktide specifically, where you are a tempo deck. You are winning based on damage. You don't have good comeback mechanisms. Things like Counterspell are way better when you're ahead than when you're behind, right? So if you're forced to like cantrip for your second land instead of playing a one-drop or whatever, that's not a, a good place to be, right? Ideally, you have a, a two-land hand with a bunch of cantrips. And then you can cantrip into action when you have the extra mana available. Yeah, makes sense. I think we're going to see quite a bit of preordains over the course of the next handful of weeks, but I'm not very convinced it's a mainstay or something that will be around longer term. Yeah, I, I think it just depends on where the format goes and how you want to build your decks. Um, but it it's not a lock in any of these decks, which should say something. Like, Preordain was banned alongside Ponder a very, very long time ago when there were things like Blue Red Storm and Twin and all of these scary combo decks where getting rid of the best cantrips, like it still left you with things like Serum Visions and Sleight of Hands. So you could still play, you know, cantrippy mana bases if you wanted to, but it was like the consistency that the package of these cards provide is a little bit too much given these sort of robust combo packages. And now that we don't have those, then, you know, how, how, how much do you want this sort of thing? And also, again, like Iteration exists, Lorien Revealed exists, and that is oddly competing for a lot of the same slots and stuff too. So, yeah, I... I I, I think they even could have gone a step further and just been like, all right, have Ponder too, you know? And if you want Blue to just be like the cantrippy thing, like you have your good cantrips if you want to play with them, cool, like go ahead. And probably would have been more interesting than just this where it's like, uh, yeah, I guess I play two preordains in my my Breach deck and I'll try it in Murktide, but eventually come to the conclusion that I just want something instant speed. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think my my only hesitation on the ponder and preordain because like my first reaction to this was why not both and why not ponder over preordained i just think it's an interesting thought exercise but i think the only case where that ever bites us is not necessarily in these fair decks but are there some unfair combo style decks that can really take advantage of this yeah and i don't think that there are because so much of that stuff has been weakened over time with repeated bands yeah, I would agree. And it's hard to imagine like a combo deck being that great with the amount of subtleties and griefs that everyone's playing in their main decks. Like it's just it's tough. Yeah. And I I mean that that is definitely a big part of it too. It's it's why the the Minds Desire thing I was talking about where like unbanning it five to seven years ago when we didn't have access to all of these cards would have been a lot scarier than it is now. And say you know, even you like unbanned seething song or something. It's like, all right, yeah, let let people try and storm if they want to. It's just like I, I don't even think it would be good now. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, you know, the second we start getting into like right of flamey style stuff that's like a lot lower to the ground, we might start flirting with danger. But I think some of these more expensive cards like just wouldn't make a difference at all. Yeah, right of flame is terrifying for sure because it it's not only storm stuff, but it's also 
just, you know, more turn one blood moon type of stuff, right? It's not even necessarily full combo, just like how much how much quick mana do we want to give people? Yeah, and not a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's not great. It does not promote very good gameplay. But yeah, Seething Song is is just slow enough where it's like, look, you're you're working pretty hard for this, you know? Yeah. And we can actually still have a pretty reasonable game of magic based off of this. So like, yeah, this is maybe a fine thing to be doing. Yeah. I think the fact that Seething Song is still banned is kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um I, I think that it, at the time it was a very good band. Oh, I agree. It was just a very different world. Yes, agreed. But yeah, I mean, now we're at the point where it's like, is is that card part of the conversation? And I, I think it is for potential unbans. But again, we haven't looked at the whole picture in terms of it. There is certainly something that I could possibly be missing, you know, um, where maybe it isn't Storm where Seething Song is potentially very good, but maybe it's something else. Tough to say. So, have you been playing any modern? No, no. Uh, I've I've been dabbling in Explorer on the old MTG Arena, which you just tricked me into booking a flight for a modern tournament. You didn't tell me this before. No, listen, the Explorer <laughs> thing comes first. I don't know if there's any Explorer tournaments coming up, but there's an there's another LCQ this weekend. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Those are, you have to win like three events in a row at like a preposterous rate. So I kind of view those as scratch tickets to begin with. Well, no, they are. But like it, it definitely means that I should be playing Explorer this week if I'm going to play in the LCQ. Like I played the best of one thing last weekend. Yeah. And I did as well. You tricked me into playing it. You didn't have to try very hard to be fair, but. No. So. What one one last thing about modern before before we actually talk about explorer and how bad it is. But <laughs> the interesting thing with preordain, I think, and I, I don't even necessarily think that this is good or or anything, but it is a thing I want to bring up and a thing that I have on the docket to try is the fact that it sort of unlocks things like Dreadhorde Arcanist. I'm gonna let you try that one. Okay. Yeah, you're not a fan. I not a card I've had too much success with personally, historically. Okay. Uh, and I have a tough time imagining in the world of subtleties and furies and lightning bolts. And I just it seems like a lot of work. Check this out though. So yes, you could play a bunch of cantrips alongside Dreadhorde Arcanist already. We could have been sleight of hand Dreadhorde Arcanisting. Sleight of hand is so much worse than preordain, first of all. Second of all, uh, the format is in a place where free spells are very, very good. And that means that you have ways to protect your Dreadhorde Arcanist. And also, Arcanist itself can be the engine that keeps the gas flowing to enable your free spells. I think that it's like a very unique situation where it means that this card could potentially be good for a very small window. But yes, if we move back to a period where there are just, I don't know, more more cheap removal and a lot of like mid-rangey fair interactive decks, I don't necessarily like Arcanist. It is just a thing that dies to everything. But Arcanist, Arcanist against like Tron or whatever is completely reasonable. Well, 
I think you could be on to something too, because I think Bowmaster, Brennan Six, and these things are pushing a lot of these cheaper creatures out of the format. So I could see a world where people start to skimp out on some of this cheaper removal. And th- three toughness lines up pretty reasonably against a lot of that. Yeah, sort of. I mean, now now I'm thinking about the scenario where like you deck with an Arcanist, you put a preordain on the stack. It's not as bad as like the the fable token attack where it trades with like the token. Cause now they're gonna like Oh, I guess it is it is bad. Right? Yeah, it's bad because they bow master you, they get a two two orc and shoot it once and they eat it. Yeah, I was I, okay. So you can't put a thing that like actually draws card. This is this is a situation where sleight of hand would be better. Yeah. <laughs> we're going I was back like, to oh, they're gonna have to like ping it and double block it, but at least you like kill the bowmaster itself or whatever. No, yeah, like Dreadhorde attack, put Freerdane on the stack, and they play bowmaster. That's that's bad times. But you know, that's why you have like your your subtleties and whatnot. But also like they're doing this when you have mana open, maybe you just have counterspell or whatever. Or like you you bolt it before your preordain resolves, whatever. That's fine. Listen, man, fill your boots if that's yeah. what you're into, but Listen, this is one of those things where it's like, I, I want to try it for a league, which means that I, I would want to play like two matches and then just be done with it. Yeah, which, that's what I was going to set the line at is what's the over under for how many rounds you last. Yeah, if you set it at like 2.5, I probably take the under, but I don't think it's it's going to be over one. Almost certainly, because even if, even if I just get absolutely clocked, I'm I'm going to be like, no, let's run it back. Let's try it again. Well, you, know? you could just smoke them. And, you know, if you win two rounds in a row, I think that's the only chance you get to round three. Yeah. Or I, I could I could see being one and one and, you know, enjoying myself, having fun. Like things are like kind of coming together, you know? Yeah. But if if I play two rounds where it's like I see the upside and the downside and clearly it's not a thing that is like powerful enough to keep working on, it's like I'm I'm out of there. Well, maybe if I'm looking for a confidence boost, we can play a few games. brutal brutal uh anyway explorer uh yeah they had the best of one qualifier lcq play-in thing and then they have the best of three one on friday this week and then the actual qualifier thing itself uh and it's it's weird because i don't even really want to play in the qualifier nor do i want to qualify for the thing but it's like, oh, this like big ish kind of like tournament thing that I can play in. So it's it's still tempting me regardless. Yeah. And I, I know I threw a little bit of shade here, but I actually always play in these and I quite enjoy the formats. I don't really understand how the level of effort to qualify for these things without the last chances seems so significant. And the last chances just are so convenient. They're so quick. I can play them any time of day. I can usually get through one in an hour. Like it, it's... um. I'm a, I think they're pretty seamless and convenient. And then, yeah, if all of a sudden I win a round or two in the bigger event on Saturday, I start to, you know, get a little excited and feel something and that can get exciting. Mm. I would feel dread. Yeah. I think, I think that's the difference between like the opens are awesome. Right. Cause that's, that's just pure upside. It's like, yeah, just pay me out in cash and I don't have to worry about like qualifying for some other thing that I don't want to play in or whatever. Yeah. The the scary part is you got plans on Sunday or something and you're like, oh crap, if I do well in this, I'm gonna have to start yeah. figuring out how to navigate that. But yeah. I I think that it it makes sense to award qualifications via ladder, but ladder is just it's way too much. And Listen, 
I have no interest in the ladder personally, but I think the people that do well on the ladder deserve more of a reward than just qualifying for this thing that I can get in an hour. And five packs. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's it's preposterous, I think. Whether you want to like give them a bunch of free wins in the first day or like potentially allow some of the top people in the ladder into the second day automatically, like I think all of those things are pretty reasonable. Um, I think the reward for the amount of time and effort and energy it takes to to get that high on the ladder is like nowhere close to proportionate for the compensation. I agree. I like ladder in general is just pretty bad. And I wish that there was a better way to do it, but especially for magic and it resetting monthly, it's just like there's there are just too many levels too. Yeah. It takes so long to get to a point where the games are even interesting if for somebody who doesn't play on the ladder regularly. Oh yeah. I mean, I was starting at bronze in yeah, both construction same. and limited because it had been such a long time since I played. So same. So like I, a few, t- I'll I'll play a few games maybe before I jump into the the queue to maybe save myself. You know, figure out what my deck is doing. And I, you just you're in bronze. You don't even play against real things. Right. So say, it's difficult. I will say I'm in gold and constructed now. So whoa, moving up, yeah. moving up in the world. Uh, I was I was struggling for a very long time until <laughs> I found my current deck. But let me let me baby whine about ladder a little bit more. So. Uh, I think that in theory, you can look at it like on top of whatever rewards they're getting, which are minuscule, like the five booster packs thing, like getting, not having to play in the, the LCQs is a good thing, especially if you end up having to play in like multiple of them. Like if I'm, if I'm doing bad, like the best of one thing I owe to I played in one I owe to and I was like, I'm just not going to play it anymore. I just don't want to do this. Right. Wait, but like you, that probably took you 12 minutes. It did not take very long. No, uh, it was definitely less than half an hour and I was just back in bed immediately. It was great. You, you could have been back in bed in the queue again. I could have been, but I decided I'd rather do anything else. Uh, but anyway, what I'm getting at is like the, the entry fees are like actually kind of expensive. Like if you're just getting your ass kicked in the things. So that is like actually a pretty substantial reward if you if it means you end up saving like 30,000 gold or whatever it is. Yeah, what are they? I think $20 or somewhere in that range for the entry. And it... Yeah, and if you're taking multiple shots, then, you know, it starts getting like, you know, $60, $80 range or whatever. And like that is actually a pretty good reward. And then also yeah. there's there's like the time commitment thing. But like, that point is kind of nullified by the fact that you spent like, I don't know, certainly tens of hours playing on ladder, but like maybe hundreds of hours. I don't know. Oh, it's definitely hundreds. I I had some months in limited where it did not, it did not take that long. It was not that hard. It was just, just don't lose. You know? Yeah. I guess it depends a lot too on where you start. Yeah, that's true too. So if if you're doing it every month, I mean, I guess it gets easier, but like, is it really? Because it means that you have to do this crap every month. So anyway, uh, Explorer. I have have played this format at various points. And I think the last time I took it semi-seriously was a while ago. It was when I was in my old place. So it was, you know, at least 10 months ago. And 
for lack of better options, Cho and I settled on Green White Angels, which I think was fine. And then I uh, just like some bad stuff happened where it's like I play against like the nine lives deck or whatever. And even I was like, I don't know. I, I did my due diligence. I did my homework. I figured out like all the random crap that people were playing. And I tried to get in like an extra Skyclave Apparition and an extra Besaju and like a thing in the sideboard, you know, like I, I tried to be prepared for even the most randomest of random crap, but it just, it just doesn't matter sometimes. Right. So, uh, that did not go well for either of us, but I, aside from like the random crap being heinous matchups, I, I think that what we settled on was a completely reasonable choice and maybe the least bad choice, but that was not what I was trying to do now. And, uh, initially I was like, well, I was looking and playing sack and the pioneer thing and like, all the cards are there, so I'll, I'll look at that. So I actually started playing with that deck a little bit more, and I was just like, this deck is built so badly. Like, does no one realize this? I don't think anybody does. Please save us. I, and I, I also say, like, it, it, I agree with you on this, but I, I don't know that the tools are necessarily there. You're probably going to tell me I'm wrong and why, but please do. They are because successful versions of this deck have existed in the same format in the past. But anyway... The biggest problem with the the stock list, the one that everyone copies and then changes like two cards from, is that there's just so few sack outlets. There's just the Witch's Ovens, Deadly Disputes, which are pretty expensive, and then uh, like the occasional Eaten Alive or Annihilating Glare type of thing. And then you're trying to pair this with like Furnace Rings. Like that is your big plan. It gets mono green is having like an actual threaten that takes their big stuff and makes it so, you know, they can't old growth troll their land or, or get their Cavalier of Thorns die trigger or whatever. And I think that that's a fine plan if you actually had sack outlets. But just, just draw the oven. Yeah, sometimes you just don't. Or sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, they kill it. And I brought this up to you and you were like, oh yeah, normally I just kill their oven and they just lose. They just fold on the spot. Their deck doesn't do anything. That has been my experience historically. And my record against Sack in like tournaments in general, just like historically has always been really good. That's just like one of the decks I tend to beat up on. I, I don't necessarily know why, but probably because I killed the oven a lot. So then I was thinking uh, back to when me and Cho were really playing in the RCQs a lot. And I, I built Sack, and this was predicated on me like actually playing a bunch of games and stuff. And was thinking about how my deck was built compared to how the decks are built now. And I had a pretty sizable amount of Priest Forgotten Gods, reasonable sack outlet. Uh, had two Village Rights, three Deadly Disputes, not because Village Rights is better at all, but just because the fact that it was like cheaper and worked well with like your sideboard threatens and stuff. And it was just like, I can't, I, I don't understand how people like, just copy this list over and over again and they play it and they play it and they play it. And I can't imagine that they don't have the same experience that I did after playing like, you know, five matches. I was like, this is unacceptable. Um, but yeah, obviously like the package is still there. It's still pretty strong, pretty powerful and things come together enough that you're able to win some games or whatever, but it's definitely not built optimally. And I think that if you think that, you are just kidding yourselves. 
Yeah, I think that's probably true for a lot of decks in a lot of formats these days with the echo chamber that is the arena and magic online deck lists of like, there's so much reinforcement of whatever's currently happening. And like, this is something you and I were talking about right before we started here of like some of the scam deck lists, even in some of the modern challenges of how quickly they flipped off of Pyromancer over to Fable. And now just everyone's there. And there's just so little creative thought that goes into changing more than three or four cards until somebody does it. Right. And then, well, you know, Jake won the Pro Tour, right? And this is one example where I think that this is a good change that was made and a good change that people have adopted, like wholesale, absolutely wholesale. And... The the thing that is weird is like Jake played one Blood Moon, so now you see like one or zero Blood Moons in all the list too, which I I don't necessarily think is correct, but like is another instance of of that happening where after the Pro Tour, everyone copies Jake's list, so then you see the challenge results, and if Scam won, it is probably something that is very close to Jake's list, and then for the next challenge, everyone copies the list that won the last challenge. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes that works out well. Sometimes it does not. Um, and when the sacrifice deck came back, it was based on this list that has just been copied a million times since then, with no one ever stopping to be like, oh, this this is actually a real problem. Yeah. One of my guilty pleasures more recently has been Blue White Spirits in Pioneer. And that's a deck where it's had some pretty reasonable results over the last month or two and there's you know a couple of them here in the top eights of almost every challenge and there's some numbers in that list that are kind of weird to me and didn't really make a lot of sense and i started just copying it being lazy just to like get my feet wet and everyone plays the exact same 74 cards yeah it is crazy and they're not you would never come to these conclusions or numbers but i'm sure it was and i don't know who did it but I'm sure one person wins a challenge or top eights a challenge and just everybody reinforces and just copies perpetually. Right. It's crazy. So uh, I've determined that I could either fix the sack deck or I could try other stuff. And let's say that I, I didn't want to fix it or determined that the deck was not good based on this, you know? Then what are my other options? So I start looking at like Rakdos Midrange and Mono Green and and just, you know, various little decks in the format. The Mono White Aggro deck was another thing I tried. And uh, eventually got to a place where I was like, Mono Green is best. The, the Mono White deck oddly still has like a pretty bad green matchup unless you draw exactly like one Brave the Elements on turn, you know, four or five to get in for lethal. And then even then, that's sort of predicated on you not like flooding or being mana screwed or whatever. So I was just like, all right, like on on paper, maybe this is a, a matchup that is like fine and good or whatever, but in practice does not necessarily play out that way enough for me to be happy with it. Uh, so then I was just like, yeah, I guess, you know, just play mono green. And then I'm looking at some of the stock mono green lists and playing with them and Having, having a really tough time, man. Really tough time. Uh, games where they they kill your elf or you mulligan. Basically, like anything that stops you from bridging from like one to five seamlessly is 
just a nightmare. And the lists that exist now have no way to really fix that. Yeah. And I, Mono Green is where I ended up too. And I played quite a few games with it over the weekend. And Will Fullohaven impressed me quite a bit. Uh, and that ended up being the card I always wanted to see on my opening hand, I think, for exactly the reason you're describing of like, I just knew I was going to get my mana. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it works with Kiora too, which is cool. But like, just being an elf that's like not really killable is kind of yeah. dope. So then it's just like, well, you know, maybe I want like, Paradise Druid or something, right? Because like Karyatid's not on Arena. Yeah, Sylvan Karyatid is exactly what I was comparing Willful Haven to. And obviously, again, the, the synergy with Cure is like cute and good and comes up quite a bit. But more the reason I'm looking for the Haven consistently is like I, it was just a reliable source of mana. And everybody was killing my shit always. Yeah. And I mean, it's a good plan. It's a good strat. So looking at the list, 22 lands, four of which are Nykthos. That's 18 green sources. Uh, you also run into situations where like maybe you do have three mana sources, but you don't have triple green yet, you know? Yeah. So I was just yep. like, all right, automatically I'm just going to add a 23rd land because I know that 22 is not correct. And I, then it was just I, like, I, I, I think half the lists are on 21 for whatever that's worth. True. That That is also true. Yeah. And I was just like, that's not, that just didn't even show up on my radar as like a thing that was like doable, you know? Like I've, I've played Devotion decks in the past. Like there's no way this is okay, right? All the Pioneer green lists are on 21 as well, for whatever it's worth. They have Oath of Nyssa, to be fair, not on Arena. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. I don't think that excuses it. <laughs> I would I would still at least like start at 22 and go from there. Um, but yeah, uh, and then I started looking at, at ways to potentially fix this. And it's just like uh, Corsair Crew Fix, I guess, is like maybe the, the best way to kind of like smooth out the... the it's not even necessarily like clunkiness, but just like the unwieldiness of of some of the draws and the things that happen when you are a- actually facing down against interaction. It's it's interesting, and like obviously, like the new Pelucranos is the card everybody added into the slot. I assume that you're putting Corsair into. No, I think you do. I, I want to say need, but maybe you don't need it. But like. Lucranos does add a lot in terms of being able to like fight against spirits, which I, I I do think is nice. It is, you know, maybe spirits is not like a sizable enough portion and the matchup is, is bad, but it's not unwinnable. So it's maybe not a thing that you need need, but like there's, there's just a bunch of slots that, uh, you know, people put in like cityscape levelers or like random five drop Nissas or whatever, where it's just like, you could just, play like real cards in these slots instead yeah less greed i think this is a common trend of you picking up deck lists and just cutting two random cards for two lands it's it's pretty common i i think that like the adding in coarser and kind of like smoothing things out is more of an on-brand thing like the the adding two lands is accomplishing the same thing but is often reductive to to like what i'm actually doing you know Fair. But yeah, I, I think that, that that joke is certainly applicable here. Uh I I think twenty two lands in sack is mostly fine. You know, I, I think that I would consider playing twenty three. I wouldn't mind getting like a mute vault in there, you know. But for the and most does, part, I think that how people have their mana base set up for for those decks is pretty good actually. Yeah. 
So there's some wins. Does the best of one hand smoothing factors variable come into this at all? Or is that just not even something you pay attention to? <laughs> I, I always forget that that exists. And like, <laughs> from my experience playing mono green, I was just exclusively playing best of one because that was the qualifier. And it just didn't seem to be a thing. It like didn't You're fix my hands. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, it was so, just like I would I would have like forest elf Nick Thos. They'd kill my elf. I'd draw a second Nick Thos. And I'm just like, get me out of here. <laughs> Relatable experience. So, so I played, I started with spirits. I got beat up a bunch by aggro decks. And then I queued up with mono green and I didn't really put a ton of thought into it and just jumped right into the queue. And I've been playing a little bit of green and pioneer. So I was like, whatever. And I think it was the second round. I minused a card and realized my sideboard was only seven cards. Oh, but you built it as 15. I just didn't even look at which seven were included yeah. in my card package. Or yeah. <laughs> so that, so then I spent a while staring at it like, you know, obviously didn't win. That didn't go well. I did not necessarily, Karn was not as good as it could have been. Uh, but it was surprisingly taxing. You, you'd think that like having a Karn package in, best of one when nobody else gets a sideboard in the first place is great in a free roll but it was surprisingly difficult to figure out like which seven cards i even need well it's less than half so uh in in theory that should be a big deal but yeah i, I certainly look at the 15 card sideboards i'm just like you could very easily cut like four of these you know and yeah. i don't know i think i think people have made posts before where it's just like kind of like mathematically proven that you just don't need a bunch of these cards. Like it, they're nice to have or whatever. And there are corner case scenarios that come up, but for, for the most part, it's like if you have four or whatever, the four key ones, then you're probably going to be fine. Well, I didn't have four key ones to start with. So we fixed that quick. Yeah. That's but... not great. That's not a good place. To <laughs> yeah. And the, um, the, the combo does not actually exist on Arena, which is one of the bigger differences. And I think that's actually probably a good thing with the timings and how that all works. Um, the Chain Veil is the missing piece that doesn't allow you to kind of go infinite. But that doesn't really, that, at least for me and my games, never actually came up, right? Dumping half my deck onto the battlefield was more than enough to win. Yeah. And that that... That, again, is also kind of funny to me, where it's like, oh, yeah, you have this combo, and you do play for it in a lot of games, but also you just don't need it. Yeah, and, like, Lotus Field and the Mirror are, like, kind of the situations, I think, in Pioneer, where it comes up quite a bit, where it's, like, giving my opponent an extra turn is, like, pretty terrifying. But when the Mirror, when neither of you have it, that comes up less, obviously. And then Lotus Field being less of a thing, you're not getting killed out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. So... Where I ended up and the thing that I've been playing and the thing that very easily took me out of silver and into gold is mono black mid-range. Whoa, this is news. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's weird because playing the standard format, you know, we, we started with mono black and then it was like, just add blood tithe harvester and fable. Your deck is better, et cetera, et cetera. I don't I don't know that that's the case for uh Explorer certainly but maybe even Pioneer and now I'm I'm looking at this uh tournament I'm going to in Raleigh that's like uh Pioneer tournaments on Friday and Sunday and then Modern on Saturday and I'm like I'm thinking about 
playing this mono black thing. I like I went through my stuff. I pulled out four Japanese sign and bloods. And uh, you know, we're gonna see how the next few days go, see if this can can keep on going. So how low to the ground are we? Uh compared to the stock list, I am I'm definitely like, you know, half a half a mana value on average, <laughs> lighter than they are, I think. But uh just like gifted etherborn. Uh, some graveyard trespassers, which I I hate. Uh, Shieldred, and then you know Thoughtseize push. Uh, some invoke despairs to the top end. I, I kind of like it. So the good things about this list are number one, gifted Etherborn, just kind of rules. Like one of the best anti aggro cards you could possibly have. Uh, sign in blood is like your expressive iteration, kind of just like ties the room together. Uh, I haven't seen many lists that have four. Uh, it's mostly just a thing that people play like a couple copies of or whatever, like two or three. And the more I played, the more I wanted to add them, which was like kind of painful because they're fucking rares on Arena. <laughs> which are super mythics. So yeah, I had to craft them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just mad. I just, I crafted the fourth one, I think yesterday. And I was like mad, but also very happy because it's, it just smooths out your deck so much. Yeah. And well, we're never cutting it now, now that we wasted a wild Oh, card, no. Right? Yeah, I'm locked in. I'm, dude, I, I cut all the If Near Deadlands, too, because I was like, I'm not trying to Deadlands sign and blood myself. And also, you, you have four castles and Hive of the Eye Tyrants and stuff. Like, you just never activate Deadlands anyway. So, uh, Aetherborn, sign and blood, both awesome. And getting to play four castles, also just awesome. Not something that a lot of people are saying. <laughs> Castle is one of the most hated on lands, I think, just in general. And I do, obviously I getting to play it with whatever you have, probably 15 or 20 swamps. I swear to God, we started that because I, I would hate on Castle Vantress all the time. And it wasn't just because it literally does nothing. Like you play games and it has zero impact on the games. You it, don't activate it very often. And even when you do, it it doesn't change a goddamn thing. It helps me lose slower. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Whatever. But like, I even look at these mana bases and it's like, oh yeah, 10 islands. Castle Vantress just had to like get that castle in there. Sure, whatever. But then you see these decks that are like six swamps and a, a Castle Lockway and it's like, come on. Like, I, I love Castle Lockway. But just show some restraint. You know, just add add some more black, add some more swamps, whatever. Or just just don't play it. It's fine, right? But like, obviously, if you could play it and it was no downside, card's incredible. Listen, I grew up playing Baron more in my deck, okay? And that one came in and played tapped every time. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Meanwhile, I'm like, good God, I need to add like a cut down and some duresses so that I can have more turn one plays because I feel like Explorer is a format where you just can't not do anything on turn one. Yeah, and don't over-index on the, the best of one stuff. Um, obviously, like, the, the hand smoother, I think, is somewhat subtle, but I think just, like, especially in those qualifiers, like, p people are just playing decks that go fast to just kind of get through it and grind through it quick. I'm certainly one of them just trying to, like, smash through games as quick as I can. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I always try to respect aggro. Uh, I kind of look at it as respecting the lowest common denominator, which ends up being aggro a lot of the time, but... You know, sometimes it's it ends up being something else. But like, 
yeah, these these decks are popular for a reason. It's like they're they're kind of good, but also maybe they're cheap or they're fast or some combination of them leads to them being overrepresented a lot of the time. Yeah. So, so. Y- you didn't actually win one of these qualifiers. We 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 quit relatively early, but we're we're going to run it back on Friday. I'm playing the best of 3-1, yeah. All and right. at least for right now, I'm I'm very happy with Mono Black. And uh you could you can make the argument that maybe it's worse than Rakdos, but aside from Fable, I don't really see it. And then you have Invoke to just like completely trump Fable. Like in, Invoke was a card that people turned to in mirror matches, right? I and mean, now I'm I'm also going a little bit harder in another direction where I'm sort of trying to build my deck as like a Shieldred combo deck where I added the fourth copy of Shieldred. I added a second copy of Duress. People are pretty light on answers overall. And it feels like I can just maybe strip your hand, play this thing. And yeah, like go to, go to town with your fable. It'll be fine. Yeah. Listen, Shieldred is an unbelievable card, but so is fable. So I don't know if we just want to breeze over all you get out of Red's Fable, that's a pretty big game in the first place. And you don't think you can sneak the Fable in and not a ton more? The cost is too high? Well, Probably got to get your castles out of there. I know, right? And I, I don't know that I want to do that. Like, it is it is interesting to me where I, I do think that there are games where Castle is going to win you in the mirror, like, a, a lot of the time. But, like, Castle versus Fable in the head-to-head... I think the fable comes out on top a lot of the time, but given the way that I'm going about things and trying to trying to build my deck, I think like the overall package might have a slight edge. Could buy it. It's hard for me to bet against fable. Uh, every time I've done that historically, I've regretted it. So I'm going to be a little bit hesitant here, but I, I do think in general, trying to get a little bit more lean is the right direction to go in. Yeah, and I've I've liked how clean it feels. And then there's the added bonus of, Stuff like, uh, you know, Castle working very well with Shieldred, obviously, and uh, it, it working, like, really well with Sign in Blood. Like, I have sixed people a lot of the time, which is like, you know, they just say, say, say go, and then... You can target them. <laughs> yeah, you can target them with Sign in Blood, uh, and then you say go, and it's like, okay, that's that's eight, plus, like, maybe you attacked, and, like, you know, it's... it's You kill people pretty quick, right? That's a like, lot of damage. Yeah, Aetherborn's getting in some chip damage. Maybe like a Invoke Despair got in there at some point, right? Like, you got a lot of reach. You can end games pretty quickly. And if you are at a point where maybe you're kind of getting beat up and Castle is a cost, like having the fourth Shieldred there to just make it so you can just do it with basically reckless abandon is is actually pretty awesome. So, you got my attention. Yeah. And I mean, I if you're not, doing the best stuff which is mono green stuff then i think doing fatal push thoughtsy stuff is the next best thing and this is maybe the the best way to go about doing it so uh, i don't think that i'm like being too cutesy or whatever and i certainly would not have invested my wild cards if i did not believe in it already so yeah that's the biggest investment of all it is, honestly. It, it might sound silly. And, you know, it kind of is because I'm probably going to have to like spend actual cash money to play in the event because now I'm, I'm broke after busting out of the last few qualifiers. But yeah. And for me, it's not just the money, like, it's not really the money part of it. It just feels terrible. It does because I got I'm not, like, 
I'm not playing a bunch. I'm not grinding a bunch. I don't have just a mountain of wild cards or anything. So, yeah, like it's been a little while since I really jammed a limited format. And that's really how you can stock up on them. And I haven't done that in quite a while. And, you know, it's slim pickings. Yeah. And for this battle pass, they're giving me Lord of the Rings packs, which are just absolutely useless. Yeah. I don't I don't even know what format those cards are legal in. Are they even legal in anything? Are they legal in this? They're not. No, what, they're, what are they? they are legal in historic. Got it. So historic is also now a Bowmaster one ring format. Got it. Sounds fun. Can't wait for that qualifier. Yeah. I I wish I like these when they're limited. I guess those are all the cash events, but um those are awesome. I do yeah. love those. And especially, dude, it's it's been like a year plus of just banger limited sets too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And the I, there's a surprisingly good amount of limited content out there too. So I always love it when there's a limited one coming up in a day or two and there's, you know, a bunch of good streams, bunch of good people creating good content on that stuff. It, it makes it easy to get up to speed quick on formats and um, yeah, big fan. Yeah. It was really fun when uh, Streets was the first one where like me and Cho started, you know, playing a bunch of limited or whatever. And it was like, Oh, I can actually watch the limited content creators because I know what is going on. I have like, I'm familiar with these cards now because I've had a reason to play limited. And that was really cool. Yeah. It's that, it's that first few hours. That's not any fun. Right. And then once you start recognizing stuff, um, it gets interesting. Yeah. But if I'm not playing the format, I'm just never going to know those cards and I, I don't, I don't care to learn them, you know? So yeah. It was like, man, I haven't, I haven't watched Newmont in like two years, but <laughs> <laughs> now I'm watching them every day. This yeah. is cool. I only watch them when Cube's up, right? So, uh, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, I don't even watch those. I'd rather watch like anyone play modern or whatever. But. No, you're no fun. Anyway, Explorer, that's that's what I got. This this mono black deck. You, um, you might be able to take green away from me, but I'll probably either be joining you or sticking to my guns with green. No, see, that's the thing is, I I think I still think that green is very good. I just think that you should maybe look into, you know, adding some lands, adding some three drops that help you get to five mana. And I don't, I don't think I have to work too hard to convince you on that. Maybe Corsair is not the best option in that slot, which I, I'd certainly believe, but it was the best one that I found after like two seconds of looking. I do like the idea of having another three drop that kind of splits the difference of helping my devotion a good amount, but one that I can cast off of Nyxos on turn three or two yeah. off of an elf. Yeah, because um, when it's all Pelucranoses and old growth trolls, it's not great. No, no. And um, yeah, so the idea of a card that costs one green green is definitely appealing. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, it, Burning Tree is legal on or on arena right you're asking the wrong person yes we're gonna go with yes i think it is but like yeah, maybe that's the direction you want to go to but like it's weird because i know that it itself does not cast the troll but i'm more so looking at it as like a thing that you can play and then activate nick those with but then potentially cast the troll yeah i i my instinct is like the games where that ends up being good are the ones that are already probably going pretty well. And I don't know that I want to increase the ceiling on like my best draws. No, I, I look at it more as like uh, where the games are going kind of bad, where you have like GG Nick those and need a way to actually fix that somehow. 
oh, got it to bridge the gap. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a, a pretty way to bridge the gap, but like it it does get there because then if that enables you to cast your three, then your Nykthos can probably cast your five also on the next turn. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm envisioning you, you know, thought seizing the bottom half of my curve and thought seizing the fatal pushing me the bottom half and thought seizing the top half and I got a brain tree emissary. It doesn't sound very fun. I know, I know. <laughs> and and that's why I, I went to Courser first, but I was like, well, maybe, maybe burning tree is a thing you could do too. You could try that. But. Yeah, it sounds like you're trapping me. But we'll see. Try Courser first, uh, or you know, take a take a look through the cards that are illegal and see if you can find something. But at the very least, twenty three land, please. Uh, I I honestly recommend twenty. I got twenty one right now, man. That's we're going two up. Good God, man. Good God, not not okay. It's just not okay. I, I think you're right. All right, good. Uh, anything else? Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I'm good on arena formats. Tell me about the event you're at. You're going to next weekend. Uh, so, well, yeah this this weekend is the explorer thing, and then, uh, God, there's there's like Apex this weekend also, which I dude I almost went to. I was thinking about it. West Coast is far, man. No, a- Apex is in Ohio. Oh, oh, interesting. Oh, I had West Coast in my head. Uh, but no, there, there's a MXP thing in Tacoma also, which I thought about a little bit for like a split second, but, uh, I would like to go to one of their events at some point, but I just don't, I don't think it's this one. And then, God, there's like the energy in Detroit too. So like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. So we are, we're eating well as far as I think coverage is concerned. Yeah. So you have... You said Pioneer, Modern Pioneer then in a week and a half or two weeks? Yeah. So then the week after that is this thing in in Raleigh, which is, I don't even really know who's like putting it on, but I know that they're like, at least some of it is, you know, charity based or whatever. It's it's very strange. I only know about it because uh, a couple of their people like posted about it or like linked me to it. Cool. So yeah, there's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look exactly at what they are and what the payouts are. Hold on. Are- hold on, hold on. Where are you leaning modern? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I was I was still lightly planning on scamming people, but I honestly haven't even looked at it or thought about it. I'd be shocked if you didn't. Okay, so uh, oh, I clicked on Apex by mistake. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, Friday, 1K Pioneer. Just like, all right, not bad. Saturday, modern 10K, uh, also two slot RCQ. Okay. And then, ooh, okay, hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. There's also a 5K legacy. Oh, interesting. How many mind desires do you own? Uh, I think zero, but I have uh uh, Shadow deck minus the Bowmasters and Wastelands that I borrowed from you. And I I would basically take any excuse to play that, but I kind of, I, I would like to maybe get the RCQ. Yeah. And, and just like locked up. And are they already not allowed to do RCQ slots with legacy events? Or I guess those were only team events. They were allowed to do them before, right? So. Yeah, I, I think the team event thing was the last one. And now those are totally off the table. Yep. Why do they got to do that, man? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Sunday, 5K Pioneer RCQ. So, like... Yeah, we're doing that. A lot of, lot of good events, man. Yeah, there's a lot. 
Uh, and listen, I I don't necessarily think modern or pioneer are in like the best place they've ever been, but they're all pretty acceptable and tolerable if you ask me. I think there's enough interesting things going on in each of them that um, have my attention. And I'm definitely excited to see a lot of new deck lists and see where things go. You got to help, yeah. help me figure stuff out, man. We You got me to book a trip. We got three weeks to figure stuff out. No, I will. I will. Let me let me get over this Explorer BS and then we'll watch some coverage this weekend of Modern. Maybe figure some stuff out. If we don't figure out anything fun, we can both just, you know, scam some folks. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. Cool. Game. Good luck.